You want to hear something that might blow your mind? There's this thing called Google Ngram Viewer, which shows how frequently a word or phrase appears in books throughout history. It'll give you a pretty good idea of what people were thinking about at any given time. If you look at the chart for the word Sisyphus, you'll notice something interesting. For the last 200 years or so, there's been over a thousand percent increase in how frequently Sisyphus gets mentioned. But who is Sisyphus? Sisyphus was a king from Greek mythology. He cheats death twice, and as punishment, Zeus condemns him to endlessly push a boulder up a hill for all eternity. He gets it to the top, it rolls all the way back down, and he does this again and again forever. This story is thousands of years old, and it's not only still relevant, but it's blowing up. Sisyphus is, like, basically an influencer. But it's worth asking, why? We might find an answer in David Graeber's book, B.S. Jobs. Maybe the reason Sisyphus is growing in popularity is because his story is increasingly relatable. There are a lot of people who feel like they're wasting their lives doing something that is completely pointless. And there is a lot of objective evidence to support that. As you might imagine, this is a very controversial topic, and not all the experts agree. There are reputable academic studies that have challenged aspects of Graeber's theory. However, the most recent research may have proved Graeber right, finding that one in five Americans consider their job to be completely pointless. So in this episode, we'll learn about Graeber's bullshit jobs theory, explore how his theory played out, especially during the pandemic, and examine the academic evidence that may have validated this idea once and for all. There are supposed to be two parts to a job. The first is that it's a way for you to make money so you can pay your bills. Obvious, right? The second part is that it somehow makes the world a better or more efficient place. And no, expanding the CEO's yacht collection doesn't count. The problem is that a shockingly high number of people don't think their job checks box number two. It's a way for them to make money, but it doesn't actually help anyone. And in some cases, even makes the world a worse place. And it's very important that the person actually doing the job makes the distinction, not anyone else. Graeber never pointed the finger at anyone and told them that their job was pointless. For Graeber, the only person who can ever say definitively whether a job is BS or not is the person that spends their working life doing it. Graeber defined a BS job as a form of paid employment that is so completely pointless, unnecessary, or pernicious that even the employee cannot justify its existence, even though, as part of the conditions of employment, the employee feels obliged to pretend that this is not the case. In other words, it's like being hired to dig holes and then fill them back in again. Great for the shovel industry, not so much anyone else. It's a job with no social value. It doesn't help anyone, doesn't provide a good or service to a customer or client, doesn't make a business more efficient. A BS job is one that could disappear and the only thing we'd be missing is the extra emails in our inbox. I think Graeber hit the nail on the head when he wrote, 
Occasionally, the very rich hire their fellow human beings to pose as statues on their lawns during parties. Some real jobs seem very close to this. Although one does not need to stand quite as still, one must also do it for much longer periods of time. Once you understand the basic idea, it might be hard to think of examples right off the top of your head. So I'm going to give you something even better than an example. I'm going to give you a framework for you to find examples. And well, also some examples. Graeber split these jobs into five categories, but it's not a perfect science. These types often overlap and there are always, always exceptions. That being said, let's start with the flunkies. Their main role, making someone else look or feel important. Picture receptionists, administrative assistants, door attendants, or university office staff. In the modern workforce, your status is often measured by how many people are under you, incentivizing you to build an army of flunkies following you around. They're only here to puff up someone else's ego, but not much else. Flunkies are the human equivalent of peacock feathers, all show and no go. Next up, we've got the goons, because every business needs a few supervillains. These are the jobs where you're pushing your employer's agenda at the expense of other people. Think telemarketers, lobbyists, corporate lawyers, every advertiser ever. Goons are the modern-day equivalent of the king's mercenaries, ready to ruin anything and everything on behalf of their boss. And now, the duct tapers. These folks are fixing problems that honestly shouldn't exist or should be solved permanently. Programmers patching buggy code, airline staff soothing travelers who have lost their luggage. It's as if you discovered a leak in the roof and instead of paying to fix the roof, you put a bucket under it and hired someone to empty the bucket out every hour. This one is very circumstantial, but trust me, you know it when you work it. Then we have the box tickers who create the illusion of usefulness. Survey administrators, in-house magazine journalists, and so on. They're doing tasks that look productive, but deep down, they know it's just ticking boxes for the sake of ticking boxes. It's kind of like raking leaves in a windstorm. You're constantly busy, but not making a real difference. And finally, the taskmasters, typically middle managers, their job is to micromanage and create work for others, work that doesn't really need to be done. They're the ones calling meetings to plan other meetings, scheduling constant evaluations and fruitless brainstorm sessions. After covering the five types of BS jobs, you may have realized that you know a few people whose job fits into one of these categories, maybe even a few people. You may have realized that you have a BS job, in which case, I'm honestly very sorry, because it means you're carrying around this, this void of emptiness that very few people understand. But listen, listen, I understand. I've had one. So come here. Listen, it's going to be okay, man. It's gonna be okay. So now that we know what BS jobs are, it's important that we understand what they aren't. Graeber made a distinction between BS jobs and what he called shit jobs. Basically, the complete opposite. If a BS job pays you a decent salary without actually helping anyone, then a shit job pays you poverty wages, despite making a real difference. As Graeber explained, the more obviously one's work benefits other people, the less one is likely to be paid for it. It is not hard to think of examples. 
janitors, nurses, garbage men, service workers, baristas, and the list goes on and on and on. People who make a real difference, whose absence would be missed because it is obvious how they help people. This is a stark contrast to BS jobs where you ask them how these jobs actually benefit anyone and you get this vague word salad that boils down to nothing. But it was only during the lockdown that the true nature and value of these shit jobs became clear as day, contrasting sharply with the invisible impact of BS jobs. Do you remember the lockdown? Yeah, that was a bad time. Early on, nobody had any idea what was happening. Understandably, governments went into lockdown in the first place to try and protect citizens until we figured things out. This meant that most people couldn't leave their house, not even to go to work. But there was an exception, a very important exception. Some people were deemed essential workers. They had to keep going to work because if they stopped, everything would collapse. Without these essential workers, we basically lose whatever it is we call civilization, and that would really suck. Listen, I would love to LARP as a tribal nomad living in the woods as much as the next guy, but if I can't find a way to get my spicy hot Doritos, life just isn't worth living to me. Thankfully, these essential workers made the ultimate sacrifice, marching into absolute uncertainty to make sure hospitals were still running, garbage got hauled off, and I got my spicy Doritos. But here's the kicker. While these essential workers were out there risking it all, we started noticing something strange. They weren't just underappreciated, they were underpaid. And I'm not talking a little underpaid, I'm talking insultingly, outrageously, criminally underpaid across the board. Reports started rolling in confirming our worst suspicions. According to business.org, essential employees on average earn a staggering 18% less than the average worker, and in some places they're barely scraping by at 48% less. And remember, this is less than the average American, who isn't doing too good these days anyway. If you created a Venn diagram showing the overlap between essential workers and Graeber's idea of a shit job, one that doesn't pay enough despite creating real value, then it would be a really boring Venn diagram because it would just be a circle. This grotesque paradox is a slap in the face. It's a glaring confirmation of exactly what Graeber was talking about, the difference between BS jobs and shit jobs. If your job is necessary for civilization to avoid outright collapse, you'll be getting paid peanuts compared to everyone else. After the lockdown, it was obvious for the whole world to see. And what did we give these essential workers for their sacrifice? Nothing but insult to moral injury. A round of applause, a few thank you signs, maybe a single free coffee if they brought in their ID. Hollow gestures that meant nothing. Of course, essential workers didn't get the things they were actually asking for like hazard pay, better working conditions, or a decent wage hike. Never have so many heroes been so deeply disrespected by the people they saved. This dumpster fire sparked something. Big. 
what the media called the Great Resignation. Workers started quitting their jobs in droves, with a total of 50 million workers quitting their jobs in 2022. And you already know why. A Pew Research Center survey confirmed that low pay, no advancement, and a lack of respect were driving Americans to throw in the towel. And who was leading the exodus? Workers in hospitality, healthcare, and education. The same people holding us all together. The same people deemed essential workers during the lockdown. The same people trapped in shit jobs. But the lockdown wasn't a nauseating nightmare for everyone. When the lockdown happened, non-essential jobs went online, many of these jobs being exposed for the pointless nonsense they always were. A lot of the office fluff, endless meetings, busy work, the art of looking busy, poof, it was gone. People got their actual work done in a fraction of the time, giving them a small slice of their life back. It didn't change the fact that your career was meaningless and your contribution to the human experience was the equivalent of pushing a boulder up a hill. But at least you got some time to actually live. Some workers spent time with their family. Others played Smash Ultimate online and crushed the dreams of children around the world. But a select few did something no one was expecting. They got another job. And I don't mean in the sense they quit and went somewhere else. No, they got a second job on top of their main job. My man has two jobs. This newfound freedom of remote work opened a wild door. Overemployment. Employees began juggling multiple jobs. In the face of economic uncertainty, who wouldn't want more income streams? Some went all in, claiming up to seven different jobs at one time. Imagine that, seven paychecks. There's even a subreddit with almost 300,000 members sharing tips and stories about this. But that raises a couple questions. How many of these jobs exist? And how many people are actually overemployed? It might be more than you think. Job websites started running surveys and found some shocking results. According to a monster survey, nearly half of remote workers have more than one full-time job. More surprisingly, a survey from Resume Builder found 8 in 10 remote workers have been overemployed in the last year. If these surveys have any amount of truth to them, that is a lot of people working a lot of jobs. As you might imagine, people criticize these surveys calling them dubious and misleading. Now, are these stats the entire truth? No. Probably not. But here's the problem. Overemployment is a game of secrecy. No one's going public with their overemployment status since that would mean getting fired. This makes it hard, if not impossible, to pin down exact numbers. Anonymous internet surveys are the best we're gonna get, and if we believe those surveys have any connection to reality, then this is a lot more common than anyone even realizes. One author from the journal who was criticizing the overemployment narrative may have accidentally hit the nail on the head when she wrote, if an organization's demands are so lax that workers can easily hold down a second full-time role, that probably says more about the employer than the employee. And that is exactly the point. If these jobs are that undemanding, it raises serious questions about the nature of these jobs. Are they really adding value? Are they just part of a grand facade of productivity? Are these jobs bullshit? Now, is this to say that all remote jobs are BS? 
Of course not. Many of them are meaningful and fulfilling and the worker is satisfied with how they spend their time. But I think it's worth asking, how many of these remote jobs actually are pointless? Jobs that don't add any value, where you can stack them like pancakes because they're just, well, fluff. The lockdown didn't just turn our world upside down. It showed us the harsh truth about the jobs we value versus the jobs we need. The lockdown held up a mirror to our dysfunctional workforce, and most people don't like what they see. It's important that we understand why these jobs exist in the first place, and it all goes back to the way companies are organized. The people who care the most about efficiency and the bottom line are the executives, the business owners. And here we can see a few of them in their natural habitat, miles away from the actual work. As the company grows, executives become increasingly removed from the day-to-day -day tasks of the workers. It's not necessarily nefarious, it's just the way businesses work. So there could be a whole bunch of people sitting around doing nothing for hours at a time or pretending to be busy but not actually accomplishing anything and the owners wouldn't really know. And you know what no one is ever going to do? Tell the owner their job is pointless. That's like telling your mom her cooking isn't good. It's true sometimes, but you value your life too much to say it out loud. Your position would be closed. That would mean losing your income, your health insurance, and who knows what else. Sure, it would make the company more efficient, and it would be the honest thing to do. But you wouldn't work there anymore, and you would lose your ability to feed your family. What's worse is that BS jobs often pay decent salaries, which is great because you're definitely going to have to pay for therapy. But from the outside, it looks very prestigious and professional. You have a fancy job title and everyone in your family is proud of you. So instead of telling the boss to close your position, you play make-believe every day. You put on a show because your livelihood literally depends on it. And this is where we need to talk about the psychological burden of lying to everyone every single day about what you do for a living. It's like carrying around a backpack of bricks, but being forced to pretend it's full of feathers. From the outside, everything looks fine, but you can feel your back breaking with each passing day. Work is an important part of your life. Who you are is determined by what you do. And when you're in a position where you don't actually help anyone or make a difference, you feel like a fraud. And maybe you even become one. Not because you want to be, but because your job forces you to be one. So uh, many years ago, I had a BS job uh, sending spam emails. And, you know, to call it demoralizing, that would be an understatement. Um, imagine waking up every single day and knowing you're the reason spam filters exist. Uh, I didn't have a lot of options. Um, you know, I was a new grad, the money was decent, and it was remote. So I just had to stay there. You know, it didn't matter that the job was bad for the world. It didn't matter that the job was bad for me as a person. You know, I was stuck. So I just stayed and let it slowly destroy me as a human being. Um, eight months into it, I got laid off, like two days before my birthday. 
Uh, and I cried for the first time in like my adult life, you know, like in a decade. And it was not tears of sadness. It was tears of joy. Even if I ended up homeless, I didn't have to log on to work tomorrow. If Sisyphus were a real person pushing a boulder up a hill all day, how long do you think he could go before he completely lost his mind? For me, it wasn't very long, and apparently, I'm not the only one. I mentioned that there were experts who challenged Graeber's theory, but there are two key points every single study on the topic has validated, even the critical ones. One, BS jobs exist. No matter how much you water down the definition, some percentage of people will be like, yeah, my job is completely pointless. Two, BS jobs cause mental health issues. There is a very strong correlation between thinking your job is pointless and suffering from severe mental health problems. It's not hard to see why. In 2021, a study challenged Graeber's theory of BS jobs. The authors argue that Graeber's explanation was not a valid one for what's going on and insisted that things can be better explained by Marx's theory of alienation. They use data from the European Working Condition Surveys to challenge Graeber's statistics, but again, and I really want to emphasize this, some survey respondents still thought their job was BS. It was certainly lower than the stats Graeber was citing, but it was not zero. BS jobs exist even according to its most vocal opponents. They also noted that there was a significant correlation between having a BS job and suffering from mental health issues, further validating Graeber's point. But the main problem I had with this study was that the main question they were asking people was if they had the feeling of doing useful work. And I don't think that captures the essence of what it means to be trapped in a BS job. Part of why I'm making this video is because of my own personal trauma of having one many years ago, and I definitely would have called it useful, but that doesn't mean it helped anyone or made the world a better place. I sent spam emails all day. Useful for my employer? Yes. Useful for anyone else on Earth? No, not even the clients. Despite using this watered-down definition, critics across the internet called this paper the final nail in the coffin for Graeber's BS jobs theory, debunking it once and for all. It was actually really interesting because two groups of people who normally hate each other seem to team up. Marxist academics who published the article, and the free market fanatics, the kind of people who would otherwise never read, let alone believe an academic article arguing in favor of Marx. I wonder when they'll be doing that again. The whole thing was kind of like seeing cats and dogs team up against vacuum cleaners. Too bad for them, it's the weekend and that means we're doing a deep cleaning. So right after we finish vacuuming, we're giving you filthy animals a bath. A lot of people attacked Graeber not out of intellectual integrity, but because the BS jobs theory pokes a huge hole in their ideological worldview. For the free market fanatics, it exposes a fatal flaw in the modern economy, that this is actually not the most efficient economic system conceivable, and maybe, just maybe, forcing millions of workers into jobs that are completely pointless is not the best use of our society's limited resources. 
And for the Marxists, they seem to be incapable of seeing the world as anything other than ruthless exploitation. And even if a job serves no purpose according to you, the person doing the job, surely the business owner is exploiting you somehow that you just can't wrap your tiny little head around. There's just no other possible explanation. Tragically, David Graeber passed away before the study had been published, so he never had the opportunity to defend himself. This looked like the end of the line. Despite Graeber's initial BS Jobs article going viral around the world, despite the thousands of confessions from workers across the internet, despite the book resonating with the public so much that it became an international bestseller, it was going to disappear into the void because of a single study with shady wording. Thankfully, a Swiss academic by the name of Simon Wallow wasn't ready to give up just yet. Wallow's research focused specifically on America and validated a number of Graeber's points. In addition to validating their existence, the study also proved that there are more BS jobs in the private sector, that it's usually salaried workers, and that 20% of American workers consider their job to be completely pointless. If we do a little napkin math, this means that of the 168 million people in the American workforce, 33 million of them are doing absolutely nothing all day, wasting away their precious lives pushing boulders up hills, and we wonder why Sisyphus is making a comeback. And listen, it's not that BS jobs are the only explanation for everything that's wrong with modern work, but Graeber's theory should, at the very least, be part of the conversation. As Wallow noted, Graeber's view radically changes focus by asking whether work is actually beneficial to workers and to society at large. Work is thus recognized not only as a necessary economic activity that produces goods and provides people with an income, but also as a way to contribute to society that can, in itself, be deeply meaningful to people. Such a perspective clearly deserves more attention. What does this mean for you individually? Well, if you're trapped in one of these BS jobs, I just want you to know it isn't your fault and you're not alone. Um, you know, whenever I would talk to people in my life about my BS job, uh, they would sneer at me. You know, oh, I wish I got paid a whole bunch of money to sit around and do nothing. Yeah, as if it's, you know, some kind of a dream come true. Uh, if you actually have one of these jobs, you know it's a nightmare. It is terrible. It's demoralizing. It's dehumanizing. Um, it, it's a very specific and lonely kind of suffering that uh, very few people can really comprehend. You know, I don't think you can really even understand uh, how bad it is unless you've actually had one of these jobs. Because uh, it's just so specific, you know, the kind of suffering. So if, if you're in one of them right now, you're not alone. There are millions of other people that are trapped in similar circumstances. And it's not your fault. You didn't choose to work a BS job. Uh, this is probably the best job you can get. And I know at the end of the day, a lot of us, you know, we need to feed our families. 
You know, we're here to, you know, make some money so we can survive. And it doesn't make you some kind of a bad person uh, if you just take the best job that you can get, even if it's a BS job. Um, but I will say, uh, this is a very complex thing. There's not a lot of places that you're allowed to, you know, complain about this. So I'm giving you full permission to jump, jump down in the, in the comment section, complain your heart out, uh, vent, um, you know, all the things that you want to say about your BS job and how miserable it is and how demoralizing it is. Uh, you have full permission to complain about your job in the in the comment section, because um, I know sometimes just getting it out and articulating it and understanding uh, the whole thing, you know, it makes it not okay but but tolerable. So I'm sorry that this is uh, happening to you, and it'll it'll be over soon. I'm sorry. See you in the next one. Peace out.